and welcome to the Amplifying Scientific Innovation video podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sophia Onoye Onye, founder and CEO of the Sophia Consulting Firm, a life science marketing and communications consultancy that was established in New York City with the goal of amplifying scientific innovation. The goal of this podcast is to showcase scientific innovation stemming from global life science companies through conversations with senior leaders who share their unique leadership journey, corporate vision, and industry outlook. My guest today is Dr. Craig L. Tendler, Vice President, Clinical Development and Global Medical Affairs Oncology, Janssen Research and Development, LLC, one of the Janssen pharmaceutical companies of Johnson & Johnson. In this position, he's responsible for creating robust development plans and data generation activities for all products in the oncology portfolio from late development through registration and life cycle management. Prior to this role, Craig served as Vice President of Medical Affairs for Tech Therapeutics and then Ortho Biotech, where he led approximately 50 medical affairs professionals in life cycle management and data generation for the virology and oncology franchises. Craig has overseen and coordinated more than 30 major drug approvals by national regulatory agencies, including at least 10 by the US Food and Drug Administration, FDA. Prior to joining the Johnson Pharmaceutical Companies of Johnson & Johnson R&D, Craig served as a Vice President of Oncology Clinical Research and Chair of the Oncology Licensing Committee at the Sharon Plow Research Institute. In addition to his school industry experience, he has served as an assistant professor of pediatrics at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York City, and as a research fellow at the National Cancer Institute in Bethesda, Maryland. Craig earned his undergraduate degree from Cornell University, Ithaca, New York, and graduated from the Mount Sinai School of Medicine, New York City with high honors. He's board certified in pediatrics with a subspecialty in hematology oncology. I was connected to Craig through Brian Harvey, Global Therapeutic Area and Cross-Sector Oncology Communication Leader, Janssen R&D, Johnson & Johnson External Innovation. And I'm absolutely looking forward to an enlightening discussion with Craig today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my nice uh, Wonderful introduction spanning about 35 <laughs> years of my life. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, and that must be something that you should be proud of because you're an inspiration to people like myself. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. So my first question is my favorite question, which is what is your definition of scientific innovation? For, for me, when I think about innovation, it, it, it goes beyond uh, any sort of drug or development program. It, it really is a broad um, uh, process, I would say, or any process that helps us bring transformational medicines uh, to our patient population, the focus of our, of our therapeutic area in oncology, uh, to do anything to bring those transformational uh, opportunities to the patients with high unmet medical need in a more uh, urgent way, um, in a more rapid way. And, um, and so innovation can come from, from any area. It can be operational innovation, it can be scientific, it can be regulatory innovation, um, but it doesn't really matter where, which, um, you know, which area it comes from. 
if it can uh, help us in terms of uh, being able to develop transformational medicines uh, for our patient population uh, and have them more accessible you know, uh, to them, that's to me is an innovative approach and something we embrace uh, within the Janssen Oncology Organization. That is really a great definition. I like the focus on transformation because it's about making things better than they were before. And that really should be what innovation should be at the end of the day, right? And, and find a way to impact the lives of patients globally, especially, of course, based on your, your focus on oncology. So thank you for sharing that definition. Yeah, I think one other thing I, I would like to mention is that, um, you know, it, um, it's, it's, it's an important thing to, to really uh, embrace at a, at a team level where everyone is, uh, is really aligned around this shared vision of being able to, as you said, do things better mm-hmm. um, and really not being satisfied with the status quo. Uh, mm. you know, to me, that, that is very, very important uh, skill set of a, of a very effective team where mm. um, they're really looking in all spaces for innovation because they really are uh, not satisfied with the status quo and, and often are, are motivated by, by words like, you know, that's impossible or right. no, do that. Um, and that's where we see, you know, the greatest innovation, you know, coming from uh, with, at the team level, which is really great to see. Right. So we have to challenge ourselves to think beyond what we think it's possible. I like that. I really do. I think that that's very courageous um, and optimistic as well. And obviously, you've done quite a lot in your career. And this is one question I'm very curious about. What would you consider to be your most impactful professional accomplishment prior to your current role at Johnson? Uh, well, I would take that back to uh, my experience of being a, a pediatric, you know, hematologist oncologist uh, when I was uh, on the faculty at, at Mount Sinai, um, and the ability to um, deal with some very challenging situations for a child, uh, you know, with yeah. cancer and, and their family, um, and being able to provide. Um, really optimal you know support not just the the medical treatment but 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 taking the whole holistic approach of of supporting a family and doing it in a team environment with with other professionals uh that are key to the success mm-hmm. of a good outcome in, in childhood cancer so it's a, a a research coordinator a study nurse a plate therapist a, a pharmacist um being part of a team that really is all dedicated to not only curing the child, but, right. but keeping uh, a family intact. And uh, we always said our goal was, you know, three years, five years down the line, the goal is that someone looking at that child should never be able to determine that they've gone through, you know, a, 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 an episode, a, a, a bout of, of childhood cancer. And, uh, you know, to me, that's always been very uplifting. And to be part of that, I, I consider um, a privilege and, and, and something I'm very proud of that I played a role as part right. of a team on being able to, um, you know, not only in, in, in many cases, you know, deliver cures, uh, but really, um, you know, to be able to change the natural history of, of a devastating disease and right. allowing a child and their family to continue on a, a, a normal life. Um, right. That's something I'm, I'm just honored to be part of. 
Uh, that's remarkable. And as you speak, I'm just so curious now around what inspired that interest in pediatric hematology oncology. What was it that made you go for it? Um, I think it was twofold. One is I loved always working with children and, and you know, uh, other than uh, unfortunately the, the, the disease that we were dealing with, um, in most cases, you know, the child was otherwise healthy and, yeah. and, and well. And, um, and it was ability to, you know, opportunity to, to really take on, you know, very challenging disease, yeah. um, working with, with, with children who are always very uplifting, even when they're sick. Um, yeah. I always found um, a lot of inspiration and, and, and energy to, uh, to never give up because those kids never gave up. And I always enjoyed, you know, working with, with the family um, yeah. because I think, uh, you know, the, the, it's just, part of nature to, 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 uh, no matter what the, you know, background, ethnicity, uh, anything of, of a family, um, there's that natural, um, you know, loving parental instincts that I, I just felt were, were, were very inspiring to support and, um, and, and to really help them, you know, manage through these very difficult situations. So part of it was the, the, the working with children and their families. And of course, you know, the whole science of, of, of uh, hematologic and, and solid tumor malignancies in, in, in the childhood setting, I found, you know, very, very interesting as well. And that, again, very remarkable. It, it's funny, I was born in Nigeria, and it, even I've been in the US now for almost two decades. And that commonality around the importance of family is something that globally we can all agree on. We can disagree on a lot of things, but not on the sort of the important role that that sense of family plays in the society. And now it leads me to think about my next question for you, which is, what is your leadership mantra and how has it helped to create opportunities for team and organizational advancement, especially for minorities and women? So I, I, I'm a very strong believer of um, ensuring um, excellence, you know, mm -hmm. within within the team, and 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 that when we start with that sort of premise, then um, we're, I'm trying to do everything possible to ensure that the team has um, the right um, organizational sort of uh, culture to succeed, uh, the right people. Uh, the right shared vision and mission, and, uh, and and of course, you know, providing them, you know, the the resources and support to, uh, you know, so they can do their jobs well. Mm -hmm. uh, that includes being able to bring in diverse uh, opinions, mm -hmm. both different backgrounds, very very important, and also, uh, you know, being able to have the respect to mm -hmm. uh, to, to allow those voices to be heard. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, always uh, to to emphasize and prioritize, you know, within the team's uh, reward and recognition. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I feel that, you know, when everyone uh, understands their their role in the team and 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 is provided a, an opportunity to contribute, uh, and also has a path for career advancement. Uh, those are some of the key elements that are uh, extremely important for ensuring. Um, that we have the best possible folks on the teams and, and working very effectively to, to be able to do the challenging work of, of oncology drug development. So um, my role is, is, is a small one in that to, 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 to make sure that they have everything they need 
um, and that we have created the right organizational culture uh, to ensure that the, the, the maximum uh, you know, potential is achieved from, from those teams. That's great. I mean, empowering and fostering diversity of thought is so critical because we know that that's how we get the best intellectual capacity, the best intellectual capital, uh, and ultimately the best products that can change people's lives, especially from an oncology perspective. And, uh, you know, we know that Janssen's objective is to develop therapeutic alternatives that extend and improve the quality of life of cancer patients. Um, can you provide additional insights on what your team in particular is doing to achieve this objective of making cancer preventable? So I, I think there's, there's some key elements uh, to that, to achieving that goal. Uh, one is we have to have a very, very good and deep understanding of, of the scientific basis of the diseases and, and the key drivers of the diseases. Uh, and we have to have people that are fully dedicated to, to, that, uh, to that effort. Uh, and that, that, that means um, you know, protecting their time and, and so that they really have the time to dig deep mm -hmm. uh, to the scientific knowledge for, for those particular diseases. And it's something you know, that we do at Janssen. We don't um, have a broad perspective across many different diseases oncology we focus on certain disease areas where, where we believe we have strong expertise, um, strong uh, knowledge of, of, of the disease and also the, the types of treatments that may be very effective. Mm -hmm. The second element is around focusing on um, <clears throat> developing um, good diagnostics for, for mm -hmm. early detection of disease because mm -hmm. we believe that uh, although we start development in very advanced patients who have undergone multiple therapies, and unfortunately those, those therapies stop working, um, we do believe that ultimately we have to bring our, our best regimens earlier and earlier into the disease uh, pathway, hmm. because in those earlier disease stage settings is the best opportunity to cure patients. Mm -hmm. so it is a focus on, on early intervention for mm -hmm. Uh, you know, newly diagnosed patients, uh, which, which, which I think will give us uh, the best chance to, to have the, uh, the best outcomes. And then I think that the, the third element is also trying to utilize multiple assets within our portfolio mm. to begin to develop regimens, not just, you know, single agents to get single agents approved, but to build potentially uh, you know, curative regimens, combinations of the most active drugs that are addressing different uh, pathogenic mechanisms and mm -hmm. can be delivered safely together uh, to ultimately you know, potentially cure at least a subset of the patients you know, that, we're, that we're evaluating. And so I think that's, that's the other key element of our you know, overall strategy uh, in terms of uh, our, our oncology, you know, development programs. I think that that's powerful. Of course, early intervention makes sense. Um, in addition to that, thinking about combination therapies and, and how to take, you know, existing immunotherapies, for example, and find ways to make them uh, work for a larger patient population, whether that's combining with electroporation or whatever the case might be, I think that that's powerful. And then of course, there's the technology piece and, and how to enable new solutions through digital technologies and other types of technology. So thank you for, for sharing that. 
my next question for you is one that fortunately we, we've discussed uh, it before uh, when you participated in the JP Morgan uh, panel discussion. And we know from a recent SWOG Cancer Research Network study that it was demonstrated that less than one in four of pharmaceutical company sponsored trials are African-American cancer patients. Can you provide more details on what your team at Janssen is doing to address disparities in clinical trial recruitment for minorities? Yeah, I, I think it's, um... You know, the time is upon us now to, to take action. Uh, we've, we've understood the reasons, the obstacles that have, um, I would say, resulted in this underrepresentation of, of minorities in our, in our studies, especially African-Americans. And um, one of the things coming out of 2020 was really shining a spotlight on this, which, which was important. Mm -hmm. but, but isn't enough. I think mm -hmm. we've, we've, we've come to understand that there are deep inequities in, in healthcare delivery and access to healthcare, access to clinical trials. And um, you know, from our perspective in Janssen, as it relates to participation in clinical trials, uh, we've put a stake in the ground this mm -hmm. year and, and this coming year also uh, to really say that now we have to implement a set of actions uh, to address this. And the actions that we're taking are really very much tied to um, the, the known obstacles and, and really trying to develop a systematic, mm. what we call a toolkit, mm -hmm. where this will be implemented in any, every one of our studies you know, going forward. And the toolkit is a combination of actions that relate to uh, one, partnering uh, in a more um, systematic way with, with, with minority investigators, because we know hmm. that ultimately your willingness to go on clinical trials is very much related to what is the person, who is the person that's mm -hmm. presenting the trial mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. And the reality is if they look more like you, come from a background that's more similar to you, you're more likely uh, to be open to participation in clinical trials. So we have, uh, special efforts ongoing to to build a network, a consortium of minority investigators that we will be partnering um, in, in in a more formal way than we've ever done. The second aspect is working with centers that are primarily centers that are caring for 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 minority patients with with cancer, um, and and that includes again African Americans. Uh, Latino populations to other minor, underserved minorities, where these are not the centers that we've typically worked with in the mm -hmm. past. You know, mm -hmm. most of the sponsors work in the U.S. with the MD Andersons, mm -hmm. Memorial Sloan Kettering, right. Dana Farber. Right. These are not necessarily the centers where um, the the minority populations are receiving their care. So we have identified approximately ten major centers, sometimes affiliated with the major university centers, but not in a way that allows the patients from these hospitals to be able to participate in the clinical trials. So bringing our research support, infrastructure support um, to these other centers where the patients are being cared for and now giving them access you know, to clinical trials, which, which again is something new for us, but something that now we have a dedicated effort before, uh, you know, on board. Um, the third piece is to think about other obstacles that even if you're at the centers working with the investigators, 
There are you know, challenges around out-of-pocket costs, mm -hmm. which are more impacting patients who have underinsurance or uninsured patients, because often the impact of those out-of-pocket costs are greater for them than someone who might have insurance or might have uh, Medicare, for example, you know, government-funded you know, uh, insurance. So trying to now create alternative uh, models, contracting models, where we take off the table this obstacle of out-of-pocket costs, and now um, in these newer models or, or revised sort of contracting models, the sponsor, in, in, in essence, will cover all of the out-of-pocket costs, so that does not become an obstacle for the for the patient to consider participation in our trial, and that could also include travel costs yeah, uh, yeah. and things like that, which are which are now uh, very very clear. Uh, in that they do create obstacles for minorities to come on to our trials. So it's, 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 it's a three-prong effort uh, focusing on investigator sites um, and, and, and patient-specific uh, initiatives that have been obstacles in the past, and then also trying to um, understand at a community level what else could be done to provide education for patients, uh, minority patients, uh, to facilitate their uh, participation in the clinical trials. And the fourth piece of, of, the, um, of the initiative is around modifying our internal uh, programs and really demanding that any study team that comes forward with a request for uh, support of a clinical trial also comes forward with a specific strategy around how they're going to enroll uh, minority patients into that clinical trial. Wow. And so we wow. believe that all four of these key elements uh, will be very, very critical for uh, really changing what has been uh, a very, very sad um, yeah. inequity and, and, yeah. and really changing the paradigm here. And of course, we will measure it uh, very clearly. We will look at, at, at the effect of each of these, and it is going to be somewhat of an iterative process uh, to understand what's working, what's not, to continue to, to modify it, improve it. Um, so we get to a point where we do see uh, representation in our trials of, of minority patients that mimic uh, the, 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 the proportion of those patients uh, in, in the U.S. population. And, and we do plan to extend this outside the U.S. as well. I think that, again, this is remarkable. And the comprehensive nature of the program is, and the evolutionary piece, the fact that it's quite dynamic and it's responding to changes. And it's also sort of stepping out from what I call the usual suspects approach instead of going to MD Anderson, let's think about you know, local community hospitals where patients are more likely to go, especially African-American patients and such, and let's actually uh, educate and train investigators that are minorities. I remember when I, I was training at, at Yale, there were not a lot of people that looked like me, but whenever I would go into uh, the clinic setting, and patients will see me, they will always smile for whatever reason, they don't know me personally, but it was reassuring for them to see that there was a, a young person in training that could potentially be helping them. And at the time I was studying triple negative breast cancer, which as you know, primarily affects uh, women that are of African-American descent. So I'm, as, I'm just curious to see where things go. And I hope that in a year or two, we can bring you back to the platform so that you can share more with us on how these uh, program is going. Because I believe 
the more we know about our diverse uh, patient data, the more uh, impactful the solutions that we're providing would be. So thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate it. Um, I, I just want to add one other thing, which yeah. I think is important. Obviously, you know, we couldn't do any of this without the organizational commitment of, of Janssen and Johnson and Johnson and, and the dedication of, of resources to, to really address this in, a, uh, in an impactful way. And that includes, you know, part of the broader program that was announced recently uh, called the Race to Health Equity, yes. uh, where, where the whole company is really looking at uh, specific initiatives, even beyond clinical trial participation, mm -hmm. uh, to address this uh, this disparity and and access to to, to healthcare. Um, and I think you know, as part of that, you know, we're the oncology clinical trial piece is just one small segment of it, but but for us, uh, a very important one, and 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 one that really will um, you know begin to address in in, in a real uh, formal systematic way. Um, something, unfortunately, that has been, um, you know, uh, a very unfortunate thing that we have to absolutely have to, you know, change the course on because um, it is not part of being part, you know, you cannot be part of a humane society right. and have large segments of the population not getting um, the same access to healthcare, the same access to clinical trials. So um, we're very committed to this and, um, you know, we will, you know, hopefully be able to, to show the impact in a very positive way um, over the next few years. And, and I'm really excited to be part of this, you know, with a, with a full team, you know, dedicated to this effort at Janssen. That's great. Thank you for providing that additional color and clarity. It's definitely, I'm smiling from cheek to cheek. Obviously, I'm quite happy about this. And I'll definitely keep an eye out on that race just to make sure that, you know, um, I'm keeping track of all the good things you all are doing at Janssen. Uh, my next question for you is, in your opinion, of course, uh, how sustainable are the changes that are being implemented to mitigate the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on clinical trials and, and drug access? So, I mean, I, again, I, I, I can't really speak of, um, you know, the details of, of our own, you know, vaccine trial, other than mm -hmm. to say that, you know, we're hoping to, to, to deliver results from our, our own vaccine trial that, that Janssen is conducting mm -hmm. um, in, um, in, in, you know, across the world in many countries. And, and mm -hmm. hopefully in the next, you know, few weeks, we'll, we'll have the results of that and, and hopefully uh, can add to the number of, uh, you know, vaccines that are accessible, available to, to patients around the world. So, so we're, uh, we're anxiously looking forward to that milestone in, in 2021. Um, I, I could just say also that um, you know, for, for our oncology patient population, you know, COVID has, has really um, you know, hit hard. Um, our patients are more vulnerable. And um, you know, we're certainly looking at this very carefully in all of our trials and doing everything possible uh, to ensure patient safety and, and clinical and the integrity of the clinical trials, you know, for all the studies, we've had several uh, teleconferences, uh, meetings with with FDA um, to to agree on, on on mitigations that that could be used to achieve those goals of, of patient safety and clinical trial integrity. And I have to say, you know, it's just been absolutely fantastic to have their support, their input on, on the measures that we've taken, um, you know, to, to, to actually, you know, achieve those goals to, to not forget about our patient population during COVID uh, and to make sure that we continue to, you know, 
do the trials, conduct them, you know, robustly and, 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 and bring the results forward in a, in a high quality, robust way so that they can continue to support, you know, global uh, regulatory approvals. Uh, and that's been really a priority for us uh, as well. Okay, that, I mean, that's great to hear. I think whenever you start to have conversations with regulators, it's definitely a step in the right direction because the insights that you get from them can help in, that trans, in the development of transformative uh, therapies, which ties back to your earlier definition of scientific innovation. Uh, now, I'm curious, outside of what you're doing at Janssen, is there any technology or company that you're currently excited about, especially as it relates to maybe cancer, cancer clinical trial recruitment, monitoring and data analysis, and, and why? Yes, well, I, I will emphasize that we're, we're very excited about uh, the potential for, for data sciences to be um, utilized in a way that uh, accelerates oncology drug development and, and facilitates regulatory decision-making. Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of different examples where, where data is now um, more available and, and, and in a very analyzable kind of way using some of the new technologies with natural language processing from mm -hmm. electronic medical records, where we can begin to um, identify, for example, specific regions uh, in the country or, or, or even down to a site level where, for example, if you're doing a, a biomarker selected study, yeah. uh, you might be able to then use the data science capabilities to say which centers are, 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 are sending off you know, the most samples for, for that particular biomarker or which, which areas have the highest proportion of patients with the you know, biomarker positivity that you're looking for in your study. So you can begin to have a much more efficient approach for let's say selecting sites or selecting regions where um, you, know, you might wanna do the study. And this includes even for example, you know, looking at minority populations that may be more at risk uh, in a given study. So I think you know, being able to use the, the, the available data in a way now that, that allows us to match patients to studies uh, to be able to select sites that are more likely to, to be able to put patients on study, um, I think is going to be a, a, a very important innovation um, that is going to become more and more useful over, over the next few years. But, but clearly, we're working with some of these data science companies to develop yeah. and enhance these capabilities. Um, another way it could be used is even in terms of doing um, you know, more streamlined studies or identifying, um, you know, new data on, on, on approved drugs. So let's say, you know, often done studies in a very homogeneous population, mm -hmm. maybe we've excluded patients with mild renal insufficiency, you know, mild, uh, you know, cardiac uh, problems. Now the drug is approved, it's used, you know, um, in the community. And you're able, again, through uh, data science collaborations to start seeing, for example, what is the, you know, how, how is the, what is the safety profile of the drug right. in patients that may have not been studied in the, in the registration trial, or maybe this drug is used sort of in, in a new setting that, that wasn't exactly in the indication, and maybe there's an opportunity there to generate, again, new data to support a new indication. Um, so I think these are all the possibilities uh, that are now becoming available with the data science technology. And, and we are working with many of these companies in collaboration to, uh, I think, further enhance our skills here with them uh, to, to accelerate oncology drug development. So I, I, I look at this um, 
as 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 wonderful potential, um, you know, advancement innovation to to help mm -hmm. us in our goal of uh, getting drugs to patients faster that will have perhaps you know more of an impact, and then even once approved, being able to learn more about a drug, you know, through these data science collaborations once the drug is is out there in the community. I really like the continuity in your responses because earlier on when you were defining scientific innovation, you talked about people should not be afraid to sort of embrace what the impossible. And now you talk about data science sort of enabling those possibilities, especially as we think about decentralized trials, we think about all the many drugs that have already been approved and out there have we fully tested what their possibilities are. So thank you for, for really sharing uh, the role that data science will play in, in fostering innovation. Now I only have two more questions for you. Um, and really quickly, what do you think are some key consideration factors that will be important for sustaining innovation in the life science industry? Well, I think uh, some of the key factors for, for sustaining uh, the innovation in, in the whole health science field is um, number one, having the, the, uh, the prioritization and the uh, research support to do that. Mm -hmm. um, that has to come both from, um, you know, public private ventures, but, but also from, from government support, uh, mm -hmm. especially, you know, in our area, for example, for the National Cancer Institute um, and, 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 and other research, um, you know, parties. And, 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 and that's very, very important for um, being able to foster and, and sustain uh, the type of innovation that I think really is, is needed and, and, and what you know, the, the public is expecting uh, to really ultimately, ultimately make cancer a, a curable disease. Right. So I think that, that, that's a key element. Um, the second key element, which, which the community expects and, and we have to continue to find ways of doing it is really to be able to uh, openly um, and transparently uh, collaborate with each other, which means sharing data, uh, being able to build on success and doing it in a, in a very open you know, platform type of way. And that means um, having access to, to data and, um, and, and being able to, to collaborate you know, across companies, across institutions, and, uh, and I, as I said, I believe that's, that's what uh, is expected of us. And, and we have to continue to find ways to do that uh, in a more efficient, in a more efficient fashion. Yeah, I think efficiency is really key because we can't keep doing things in the same old way. I've been quite impressed by how quickly we've been able to bring new vaccines to the market amid COVID-19. It shows us that, you know, anything really could be possible. We just have to find new ways to integrate traditional drug development with emerging technologies. So thank you for sharing that. Now, my final question is very simple. Do you have any final thoughts or commentary that you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap? Um, I would say that, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's the golden age of, of uh, you know, drug development, especially in oncology, and, and we're just really privileged to have um, all of the technology, the innovation, um, the information, the scientific information to really, uh, you know, bring these types of drugs forward that, that for the, I think for the first time in many, many years are, are really having a huge impact on changing the natural history of disease. And hopefully for some patients, you know, also delivering cures, which ultimately is, is, is you know, what we're, um, you know, 
motivated to do and, and won't stop fighting until, until we achieve those goals. So it's a, it's a great time to be, you know, part of this uh, health science type of industry, especially in oncology drug development. And, um, you know, we have uh, a lot of responsibility in, in that area and we should take it seriously and, and we should uh, do it now with a high sense of urgency. As you said, very similar to what we've seen can be done with, with addressing a pandemic with vaccine development. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very, very inspired by that and, and, and want to hopefully apply all those principles even after COVID hopefully is behind us. Hopefully we can use a lot of those um, you know, innovations, lessons learned uh, to be able to uh, really accelerate oncology drug development and um, you know, get some of these patients the, the treatments they need. Um, all patients of all ethnicities, of all race, regardless of uh, you know, skin color, background, everyone should have the opportunity to have access to these uh, transformational medicines that are coming forward. And, and uh, at Janssen, we're, we're really proud to be part of that effort. Thank you so much for an enlightening discussion. You have me incredibly excited about this golden age of oncology and all the great things that we can do to transform patients' lives all over the world. So I appreciate your candor and the great insights that you shared. And thank you so much for coming on this uh, platform, Dr. Craig Tatler. Thank you, Sophia. <laughs> Pleasure to, to do this with you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. All the best. Bye-bye now. Bye.